All right, take your Bibles out. Turn to Mark chapter 6. Uh, we're going to look at this together. Our main point is this. Our mission, everybody say mission. That's what we're talking about this morning. Our mission is to preach the gospel. And what's the gospel? I like to do this all the time because sometimes we just throw that word out there thinking everybody understands it, right? And and we really don't give any context to it. The gospel is the good news of Jesus. What's the good news of Jesus? I'm glad you asked. That Jesus came, that he stepped out of heaven. He put skin on Philippians 2, right? He walked this earth for 33 and a half years. He died a sinner's death. Why? So that we could essentially have access to God. So that we could do this. So that we could have hope, right? He died that sinner's death. Three days later, he rose again to go and prepare a place for us. John 14, if I wasn't going to go and prepare a place for you, why would I have told you? But behold, I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am, you might be also. That's the good news of Jesus. That's the hope of Christ. That is the thing that separates Christianity from any other religion, every other religion, that we have a hope for a future with God, the creator. Amen? Like, if that doesn't get you excited, more excited about some game that's going to happen tonight, then your skin's too tight. Because, man, that's awesome. And we have a mission to preach that gospel in order to advance the kingdom. Those who follow Jesus, those of us who follow Jesus, have the honor and the joy we get to. We get to do this of advancing and extending his ministry, actually sharing in what he's doing. Mark chapter 6, we're going to look at verses 7 through 13. If you have your Bible, you can follow along with me. If not, you can look at the crooked screen back here that's totally my fault um, and, uh, and check it out. It's not Dave's fault. Right, Dave? Yep. <laughs> I'm taking full responsibility. Um, it's a good thing Dylan's not here this morning. All right. Verse 7, and he called, he will watch, and he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two. Underline that, star that, that is very significant in our text this morning, and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, uh, but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. And he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay, stay, I love that, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you, and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed many with oil, Many who were sick, excuse me, anointed with oil, many who were sick and healed them. So what we see here in Mark chapter 6, let me kind of catch you up and give you a little bit of the context here. Jesus has left Nazareth. He's left his hometown where he was rejected now for a second time. He moves on to other villages where he's going to continue his teaching ministry. But after discipling and mentoring the twelve the 12 disciples, for an extended period now, it's time for them to get their feet wet. It's time for them to move on to the next level. Even though all aspects of their training don't apply to us, we would be wise to consider some of the significant principles in our assignment as the church of Jesus, in our mission. And so in order to do that, we need to remind ourselves of our assignment. It's the assignment of every gospel preaching 
church. We say something around here that, that uh, our church doesn't have a mission. God's mission has a church. The, the church's mission never changes. It's never changed. From the book of Acts to today, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Acts 1.8, right? The Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always, even to the ends of the age. And he even starts that by saying, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go. There's something special about the authority of Jesus that's directly related to the mission of the church. Woo! Man, I'm pumped this morning. What time does the Super Bowl start? Doesn't matter. Let's just go. Okay. All right. Our assignment, our mission is to work together. Everybody say together. I love that. Two by two. Don't lose it. To work together, not in a vacuum, not isolated, to work together to love God, right? To love God. God, love me with all your heart, soul, and mind. Secondly, to love people, love your neighbor as yourself. And then third, help others do the same. That's the mission of the church. Love God, love people, help others do the same. Now, if we were to take some time and kind of pause before we did that, right, we would get a whole buffet list of things that the church has become about over the years. That we have pictures hanging on the walls of our minds of what the church looks like, what it ought to be for, what it was intended for, what it ought to accomplish, all of those different things. But if it doesn't fall into one of these three categories, guess what? It's not a part of the pure mission that God intended for His church to save the world. Love Him. Love people. Help others do the same. Love God. Love people. Help others do the same. That's the mission of the church. And what Jesus does here in our text this morning is he sends the disciples out to go do that. To begin, to begin expanding the mission. To begin being the church. To begin the process. And so the principles that Jesus gives the twelve um, help us as well. And the first one is this. He tells them in verse 7, Go with the authority of Jesus and as a team. Go with the authority of Jesus and as a team. Look again at verse 7. And he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. Okay, And so again, Jesus uh, um, um, has determined that it's time. Right? That the time has come for them to branch out, their mentoring, their, their discipling has reached a point. Well, and, 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 and many of us would probably look at these guys and we would probably look at them even, even towards the end of Jesus' ministry when he's on the cross and Peter denies him three times and say he wasn't ready. Listen, it's not up for us to determine when someone's ready. If Jesus sends someone to go, they better go. Right? They better go. 
If Jesus is calling you to go, go. Go. I believe, got to stay on task this morning. Got to stay on task this morning. Come on now. Come on. Come on. So go with the authority of Jesus and as a team. He sends them out as a team for several reasons. Number one, it's wiser. Right? It's wiser and safer. Uh, Lone rangers are easy targets for the enemy. Lone rangers are easy targets for the enemy. We see that in every action movie, right? That the, that the team ends up showing up even though they were told to stay behind and all those different, right? It's in every plot, right, Ken Jones? Okay, um, and so lone rangers are easy targets for the enemy. After all, Solomon says in Ecclesiastes that two are better than one. When God was creating, he looked at man and said he, man was alone. It was the first thing that he said wasn't good, so he created a helper, right? That, that there were two. Two are better than one. It's wiser and safer. Secondly, and this is awesome, the law required in this time two witnesses. Everybody say two. I'm just making sure you're with me. Two witnesses to verify a matter. So this was the cultural norm of that day, that two witnesses would indeed verify a matter. So if they came two by two, right, then, and they both agreed, and they were both sharing the same message under the authority of Jesus, it was hard to deny that. It was hard to debunk that. And so Jesus, knowing this, sent them out two by two because that was part of his authority. That was part of the authority that, that was going to carry on the message because two witnesses verified a matter. He also gives them his authority. The 12 were his authorized, and this is important, anointed representatives. Appointed and anointed representatives. The 12 were, as we are today, let's not forget this, let's not just look at the history lesson this morning, but let's internalize this a little bit. The 12 were, as we are, extensions of Jesus extensions of Jesus. You know, this is where licensing and ordination came from in ministry and churches. Anybody ever heard of those terms, licensing and ordination? Okay, I'm both licensed and ordained. I know, hard to believe, right? Um, but, uh, it's great. But, but this originated, licensing and ordination originated by churches to give their stamp of approval over a preacher, and so when that preacher would go and travel from town to town, community and community, right, they were, they were sent by another church that gave them a document saying, we stamp our approval on this person to preach. They are trusted. They are an extension of our ministry. So when we send somebody out, when we send somebody to go and minister, when we send somebody out, when we pray somebody out, right, they are an extension of Summit's ministry. When we license, when we ordain someone, we are saying, we verify, we approve of a, that's not, we verify, we affirm, there's the word. I knew it started with A. We affirm that there's a call of God on their life and place our stamp of approval on them to preach, to serve, to care for. And so these 12, as we are, were extensions of Jesus. A representative uh, in this time was viewed as the man himself. What an honor that Jesus was sending them out with his authority, two by two, saying, 
saying, this is a representative of mine viewed as me. What a responsibility. Paul put it in 2 Corinthians that we're ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal to the world through us. We represent Jesus. We represent Jesus. I know it's cliche, but that's where we get the, the line, right? That you might be the only Jesus that someone ever sees. You might be the only Jesus someone ever hears. And so he says, he says, go with the authority of Jesus and go as a team. Go with the authority of Jesus and go as a team. Secondly, in verses 8 and 9, he says to go lean with nothing non-essential. Okay? Go lean with nothing non-essential. Look at verses 8 and 9, the instructions here. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff. No bread, I'm out. No bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals, not to put on two tunics. Right? And so Jesus is giving them the instructions here to go lean. To be effective is helpful to have no excess baggage that could impede our mission. I traveled to Nashville recently to, to spend some time with some other pastors. And as I was preparing to go, I was packing, and I, I, I'm going to get vulnerable here. Packing is a hard thing for me. It's a hard process, okay? And, and, and I'm not here to explain to you why, because it has nothing to do with thus saith the Lord, okay? But, but let, me just, let me just say, I, I'm always amazed that Kristen, my wife, can pack five other people, and me, it takes like weeks, to pack, okay? Um, and she ends up just packing me anyway, right? And so, um, um, but I was packing to go and realizing I, I was going for three or four nights and I had it in a larger bag that I was going to check and then I thought, maybe I can get this in a carry-on, right? So I pull everything out of the bag, I'm trying to shove it in the carry-on and I'm just trying, trying to make it fit, I'm putting the elbow down, trying to get the zipper and I'm like, wait a second, I think... There's, there's the chance that, that I'm going to get some books on down there. I'm going to get some things. And so I probably don't want to have this so packed. I should probably have the extra room. So I called the guy that I was going to meet at the airport um, because I didn't want to be the person, right? I didn't want to be the person that showed up, right? And everybody else had carry-ons. And we're sticking around for 25, 30 minutes waiting on dum-dums back, <laughs> right, to come out of the of the uh, baggage claim, right? And so, uh, and so I, 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 I called him. He didn't answer. So then I sent the text of shame, right? Hey, I'm, I'm just checking. Is it going to be okay if I check a bag? And then I waited. And about five minutes later, he sent me a text back and said, I'm checking a bag too. You're good. <laughs> okay. Praise the Lord, right? We're not going to be waiting on me. We'll be waiting on him. Anyway, okay. And so, and so everything went fine. We, we met at baggage claim. I've never, I'd never met this guy before, but we, we met at baggage claim and waiting on our bags. Then we go to the wrong rental car place and we walk out and didn't get it. Anyway, anyway, go through a great weekend, have fun, go to fly home, check our bags, get on the flight, run into somebody on the way home uh, in my layover and, 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 uh, and they were like, hey, my dad's coming to pick me up. We could give you a ride home. And I thought, wow, cool. But somebody else was already coming to pick me up. And they were 
really offended that I was going to ask somebody else, and he just really wanted to come pick me up, and so I said, okay, that's fine, we'll stick with you, and then we get, we land in Portland. Does anybody work at the airport? <laughs> okay, good, all right. Anybody know anybody? No, I'm just kidding. Um, and we, we land at the airport and go out. 35 minutes later, my bag came out. And the whole time I'm standing there, I'm actually thinking about this text because I had read ahead to see what I was going to be preaching on. Jesus saying, travel with no excess baggage. <laughs> and when my bag finally came out and I went out to the truck where Dan Garrish was sleeping and I had to wake him up to drive me home, I thought to myself, I could already be home and in bed because it was like midnight if I'd have been obedient to the Lord and not traveled with excess baggage. So the point there is, right? Carry on. Don't check. Okay, that's what Jesus is saying here, right? No, that's not what Jesus is saying here. But what he is saying is it's easier as a missionary, it's easy when you're on mission for Jesus, right, to leave, to go with as few things as possible. Right? It's few things because because what Jesus is saying here is two things. Number one, the people that you're going to share with, they have a responsibility to care for you. They have a responsibility to care for you. And secondly, you don't know where the ministry of the Lord is going to take you. We saw Jesus model this last week. That he's going from town to town ministering. And then, and, and, and Jairus comes up to him, the religious leader, taking a chance, desperate for, 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 for hope, desperate for anything. And so Jesus is heading to Jairus' house. Might not have been on his agenda for the day. Right? And, 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 and then on his way to Jairus' house, the, the, the woman touched him. And so he takes the time to, to be with her. And then he goes to Jairus. And so you don't know where the ministry of God's going to take you. And, and, and if you're busy collecting all of your things and keeping all of your valuables, then it could impede progress. It could affect the mission. It could affect the, uh, the things that God had, had called to do. And so further, we go into radical faith and, and a dependence on God, not ourselves. The instructions that Jesus gives the twelve also apply to us, they're to travel light, taking only that which is essential. The most basic preparations are to be made. Secondly, uh, they don't travel first class, right? They don't travel first class. They don't make their ministry, this is huge for today and what we have with, uh, anyway, anyway, they don't make their ministry a means for accumulating stuff. That's not the point. They don't make their ministry a means for accumulating stuff. The reason for these things is that they needed to trust God alone. The reason for these instructions as Jesus is sending them out is he's telling them, listen, keep the main thing the main thing. Look to me. Don't get distracted by comforts. Don't get distracted by stuff. Don't get distracted by the things that you're bringing. Keep the main thing the main thing. You're going out to further the gospel. You're going out to advance the kingdom. You're not going out on vacation. Number three. This is huge for us today, church. Go where you are welcomed. 
and move on when rejected. Go where you are welcomed and move on where you're rejected. Let's talk about it. Look at verses 10 and 11. Let's look at the text first. And he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. We would do well, we would do well to discern this. When to stay, when to move on. What a hard question. What a hard thing. A thing that many of us probably wrestle with in jobs, in friendships, and yes, churches. But what Jesus is getting across here to the disciples is that when you find a receptive home, when you find a receptive group of people, stay there until the work is done in that area. Stay there. Stay there. Stay there. Because here's the, here's the thing, okay? And I'm going to try to do this as quickly as I possibly can, but I've got some things to say here. Because we have a quitter's mentality in the church of Jesus Christ today. And when I look at Scripture, I mean, I know Dan talked about that he doesn't see comfort zones in Scripture. But when I look at Jesus on the cross, I just read this this past week, when he asked God to take the cup, and then he goes and, 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 and says, Father, you sure about this? You sure you're not going to take the cup from me? Twice, he kind of pleads with God. Because he knows what's coming. He knows the hardship. He knows the pain. I'm convicted of this. And because I'm convicted, I'm convinced of this. God will never call someone from something unless He calls someone to something. Now, hear me. Because I know we've got some people sitting in the room that are in this camp. God could call you away from something and to a season of healing. Okay? That's a thing. That's a thing. Because in the church, we're the only army that shoots our wounded. And so, and so people come in here season after season from other places, and they just need a minute. They need a season to breathe. Dan was trying to get in leadership like week one, and we made him wait like 18 months. Like, dude, you just need a minute, right? Even if you don't think you need a minute, you might need a minute. That's, that's, that's exaggeration, okay? Dan was really good. It was like week three that he was asking for leadership, okay? A season of healing is a good thing. Receive that. Take that. Embrace that. But don't get lazy. Hear the warning that many of us fall into the trap from time to time. I hear and I see, right? Not at Summit. I'm talking about other churches. Okay? Right? Right? That, that they use the season of healing as an excuse for laziness. When you walk into Summit, okay, 
Hmm, this is going to get fun. And you see something that doesn't look quite right. I want you to ask yourself, is God calling me to serve in that area? If the answer is no, you're not allowed to be critical of it. Not in the house of God. Like you can, like you can do that other places. But if, but if you come in the house and you see the crooked screen, sorry Dave, but you're not willing to show up at 7.30 and help get this thing right, you don't get to be critical of it. Right? And embrace your resting. Embrace your sleeping in and bring us Starbucks when you come. Nobody's mad at you. Right? But just don't be in a bad mood over something that you're not willing to change. Makes sense. Right? Second thing here that I love that Jesus says is, uh, and, and by the way, can I just say, when it comes to critics in the church, I'm the biggest one. I'm the biggest one. I'm the biggest one. I'm about to have two Sundays off where I'm not even going to be in church, and all I'm going to think about for the next 10, 14 days is how I messed up the screen for everybody this morning. That's all I'm going to think about, Dave. That's all I'm going to think about. Okay. I'm the, I'm the biggest one. I'm the biggest one. I know the struggle. I know the struggle. And I know what, I know the excuse we use because we want to blame it on excellence. No, we just want to be lazy. Okay. The second thing that I love here that Jesus says, stay there. Stay there until the job is done. Stay there until the job is done. Uh, last Sunday, last Sunday, uh, everybody say last Sunday. Okay, good, 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 good. We've lost some people on this side, but you guys are still hanging strong. Okay, last Sunday was uh, Serapino. It was my 11th year. It was my 11th anniversary of being a pastor in Maine. Isn't that awesome? 11 years. 11 years. I feel like I'm just getting started, Lois. Like, there's so much to do. On the same day we celebrated 11 years, Summit turned four. We have so much work to do. Like, there are so many things that I want to see accomplished in this church. There, there's articles flying out in gospel uh, uh, blogs and networks and Christianity Today magazine that a pastor should move on after 10 years. That's bogus. That's just when it's getting good. That's just when it's getting good. There's, there's something to what Jesus is saying here. When you get into the house, you find a group of people that's receptive Stay there. Stay there. Stay until the work is done. Stay there. Now, now there are, there are some times that God calls people away, right? And we already talked about that. When God calls you to something, when God calls you to something, um, uh, you've got to go. You've got to go. And you've got to trust Him with what's left. But too many of us are using the cop-out of God's calling to avoid uncomfortable situations and staying where he has us to complete a work. Does that make sense? This means yes, this means no. Okay, got it? All right, all right, let's, let's move on. 
from that. Stay there until the work is done. Accept what is offered. Be grateful. What Jesus is telling them here is to live among the people. To live among the people. And this is risky. To be dependent on them. To be accountable. To share life with them. To live in community. To be transparent. And the hard truth in this text that Jesus says is that if you aren't received warmly, if they won't receive you or they won't listen to you, move on. Move on. Shake off the dust. We should anticipate rejection by some after all. Here we see Jesus sending them out. He's on the move because he's been rejected now by his hometown for a second time. And Jesus tells the disciples, if they're going to reject me, they're going to reject you. So expect it. Anticipate that you're going to walk into some homes. You're going to go into some places. You're going to do some ministry where you are rejected. I experienced this as a high schooler for the first time. I was an intern. I was leading a mission trip in Spruce Pine, North Carolina with a church plant. And we were going up into the hollers of the mountains in North Carolina to go door to door inviting people to church. That's all we were doing. We weren't trying to preach to them. We, weren't trying, we were bringing them a loaf of bread and inviting them to this new church plant where we were going to have games and pizza and hot chocolate and all these different things, right? So we were trying to get, get them through the kids, right? That's the church's strategy. If we can get the kids, we'll get the parents. It's a great strategy. Right? Our children's ministry is crushing it right now. Two or three new families that have come and stuck around some of over the last few months say, it has nothing to do with your preaching. Your children's ministry is awesome. <laughs> Woo! Great. Got them. Okay. Right? And so, and so we're standing there, and, and we start going to it, and, and it was clear that the phone chain had begun. Because we'd go knock on some doors, and we'd see peek out the curtain, and they'd see three or four teenagers, and they'd be like, uh-uh, we ain't opening the door, right? We've got our own bread. We're not opening the door. And it was a hard culture, okay? That's the first time I experienced any type of rejection. But what Jesus is saying here is when you're turned away, move on. Move on. Too many of us are allowing the joy of the Lord to be stolen right out of our lives because we're trying to be the one, we're trying to be the God that's going to convince them of something different. Let me tell you, you're not the one. You might not be the one. And so as hard as it is to walk away and come to grips with the fact that I might not be the one, okay, I'm going to hit my knees and I'm going to pray that God softens their heart. I'm going to hit my knees and pray God softens their heart. I was having breakfast with a pastor, another pastor in the community on Thursday. And I think he was shocked when I said this um, because he was like, what are you guys doing? Because we don't want to compete. I said, look, bro, you don't need to worry about competing. I'm not for everyone in Gorham. I'm not for everyone in Portland. I'm not for everyone in the U.S., Ask my wife. She'll tell you. It's a big job. Some of you that have been around me for all 11 years or for four, right? I'm not for everyone. But Jesus calls us and we've got to be obedient where we're at. Shake the dust off. Move on. At least for now. Pray that God softens their heart. And it might not be forever. It might not be forever. 
They might come back to you in five, six, seven years, call and say, hey, um, I need you in my life right now because I know what you stand for. And there will be times it hurts, but it's necessary. And you know what? It should hurt because it shows you care. It should hurt. It should hurt. I was talking with somebody this morning about a couple that's gone and joined another church. And you know what? It hurts. I love them. I don't want them to go. But they need that church. They need it. And if a pastor ever tells you that it's, it's not, he's not going to take it personal, they're not going to take it personal when you leave, they're lying. I will take it personally. I will write you a note that I will never send you. But hear me, it's because I love you. And if it doesn't hurt, what are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? Okay, lastly, number four, go preaching the word and doing the work. Look at the message. Look at the message they give. Uh, Verse 12, so they went out. Right? And, and, and so Jesus calls them, he sends them, right, two by two to go out, tells them to travel light, go with the authority, all, all the things, right? Shake off the dust if they reject you, all those different things, and, and gives them the instructions. Verse 12 So they went out. We don't see that there was a committee formed saying this doesn't make sense. Right? Well, can we take this? Well, I've got questions. All, all those, no, so they went out and proclaimed that people should do what? Repent. That was the message. Simple message. That the people should remit, repent, right? That there are things in your life that aren't right and you need God. That is the biggest thing that we need to receive today. Is that we aren't without God. You're not complete. Jesus even says, you're nothing. You need God. I need God. And we, and we, have, this, and we, have, this, um, we have this culture where we say we don't need salvation because we're our own God. But what, what Jesus is saying, the message it should be is go out, preach, and they proclaimed, they went out, they preached that people should repent. They cast out many demons, they did work, they worked miracles, and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. Preaching and modeling the gospel is what these twelve went out two by two doing. And these verses summarize their mission. It's what they'd seen Jesus do. It's what they had modeled. It's what they had seen. It's what they had witnessed John the Baptist do. They went out and ministered as servants, not compromising the message, no matter what. Not compromising the message, no matter what. In Acts, it got really hard. There was jail time. There was all kinds of things. There were threats on life. Um, uh, uh, But they never compromised the message. And so what does this mean for us? Okay, we're going to summarize it right here. Three specific aspects to our calling as his church. Number one, he calls us to go out and obey. He calls us to go out and we obey, period. He calls us to go out and we obey, period, period. He calls us to model these things each and every day. 
to our families, to our workplaces. He calls us to model these things in our church. He calls us to model the things that we've seen in the life of Christ. Ephesians 5, 1, imitate Christ, therefore, as his dear children. In the life of John the Baptist, in the life of Paul, he calls us to go out, and we go, and we obey. My question for you this morning is, how has God called you to go out? How has God called you to serve him? Right now, today, how has God called you to serve him? Secondly, he sends us out with his authority. Let me go back to the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore, therefore, because all authority in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus, Jesus says, go. And we've looked before at that word go, it's as you go. So as you're going here, as you go there, make disciples of all nations, of all nations. We receive on-the-job training, and that's enough. That's enough. We receive on-the-job training, and that's enough. It was enough for the 12. That's enough. He sends us out with his authority. And then number three, we actually continue and extend the ministry of Jesus. We carry on the mission of Jesus. We carry on the mission of Jesus. The legacy. The legacy. I, 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 love, I love hearing the stories of how people went to church for the first time. I love hearing the stories of how people met Jesus. You know, one of the most fascinating things, one of the most powerful evangelism tools, we share this all the time here, is your personal testimony. What God has done in your life, how he revealed himself to you, how he showed himself to you. Because we actually get to carry on the mission of God in his church. That's legacy. That's legacy. That's legacy. And so my prayer for you is that you embrace the responsibility to carry on the mission of the church. I was in a meeting on Friday with Young Life. Young Life is a ministry um, in, uh, in high schools and middle schools to, to minister to high schoolers and middle schoolers. And I listened to a guy across the table talk about how his daughter followed Jesus. And as, his, as he shared the story, he said, it's because of you. And it was, the, it was another guy across the table. It's because of your ministry. It's because of you beginning this. It's because of you being obedient and faithful to the call of God and the things that he placed in front of you that my family is still walking with the Lord. Isn't that awesome? That's legacy. Because this couple was obedient to God to do something that was more than likely outside of their comfort zones, to bring a ministry into Gorham, but to hear and to receive that the impact of their obedience is still being felt by someone today, years later, years later. Years later, you should hear sometime 
You should hear sometime the story of Henry Carson meeting the Lord in 1974. Right? Same thing. In the 70s, mid-70s, and how there was a deacon who every Wednesday night, I think, would meet Henry in the church parking lot. And this guy discipled Henry. That's legacy. That's legacy. And we get to be a part. We get to be extensions of Jesus as his church. And so this morning, I'm going to ask you to pray about some things. I'm going to ask you to pray about some things. I'm going to ask you to pray about what is God asking me to do today? Some of you know. Some of you know beyond the shadow of a doubt. God has called me to marriage ministry. God has called me to be the church treasurer at Summit Community Church, right? Well, I think of Ashley, right? God has called her to do that forever, right, Ashley? Um, right? And some of you know, some of you know. That God has specifically called you to do this. But can I tell you, can I tell you one more thing? Can I tell you one more thing? Because I hear this often. If you're still breathing, God's not done with you. There's a ministry for you. There is something that you can do for the glory of God to advance his kingdom. There was a book written by a retired guy one time called Halftime. That once he got to retirement, that's when the fun started in his ministry. Um, so what is God asking you to do? What's God asking you to do? And if you look in your bulletin this morning, we've kind of coined this day serving day. Because here's the reality. We need, as the body of Christ, to model what we've seen this morning and work together to advance His kingdom and to carry on the mission of the church. This is not an infomercial. This is the call of God on His church. The 80-20 thing should not be a thing. You know what that is, right? The 80-20 principle in church. 20% of the people do 80% of the work. That shouldn't be a thing. It shouldn't be allowed. We see in Scripture, everybody had a responsibility, everybody had a job. And so in your bulletin, there's a blue sheet of paper. And there's ways that you can serve. In Summit Church. Can I tell you one of the most glaring ones? Set up and tear down. And I know, you probably sit there and roll your eyes. I do too. But can I tell you, we're a third of the way through. If you're not good with fractions, that's 33.3 repeating percent. Okay, which is up there. You're getting there. We're almost to 50 33 is more than 25, right? You're almost to 50. You're on the other end of 25, other end of a quarter, okay? We're a third of the way there. We're setting up, tearing down. But we need folks. We need folks that can say, yeah, I can give you a Sunday a month to come at 7.30. Get the screen right. Set up the rest of the stuff. Do church, tear down. I can, I can do that. I can do that once a month. I can do that once a month. Children's ministry. Children's ministry. We need folks in our children's ministry. We need folks to carry on what's really bringing people into Summit Church. Because again, not the preaching. It's children's ministry. Children's ministry. Welcome team. All those different areas are in your bulletin. Check them out. Check them out. And, and ask the appropriate people. 
Specifically, also, I want you to pray about, come on, worship team. This summer, we've got, we've got three ways for you to serve for week-long opportunities through Johnny and Friends, through Camp 207. And then Young Life is looking for one or two committee members that can be on the board. You don't have to work with students at all. <laughs> you just got to help them raise money. There it is. No, I'm just kidding. But they just they need they need help with young, right? And so there's there's tons of opportunities to get involved. If you have a middle schooler or high schooler, you should know about young life. You should know about young life. I, I, I love going to the high school games and football games and basketball games and looking at all these young life leaders that are right in the you can't even tell them apart from the students because they immerse themselves right in the student section. And they're, and they're cheering on, and they're the loudest cheerleaders of the, of the group, and they love it, right? And there's, there's, more, there's plenty more opportunities to get involved with the mission of God. But would you today embrace the fact that God, I, here, here's, here's what I want you to embrace. God wants to use you. God wants to use you. God wants to use you. So as these guys sing this song that's very simply named Jesus, would you ask him the question, God, how do you want to use me? How do you want to use me? And would you be obedient to him today to stop at a table and sign your name up, to look at Maria and say, I'll drive a golf cart, I'll run some games, to look over to Tana back here and say, hey, I'll work with Young Life. Just tell me what I've got to do to love on students. I'll work with Young Life. We get to do this. We get to be a part of the ministry of God's church. An extension of Him. We pray with me? And so God, I thank You that what's awesome about this is that church is not a spectator sport. But God, you invite us to come along for the journey. That you invite us to get in the game. That you invite us to be a part. To be an extension of you. To change the world. And so God, I pray that we would be obedient in these moments. God, that we wouldn't excuse things away like we have time and time again. But God, we would embrace what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.